0: What Should I Think About is a podcast with me, Celine, and my dad, Stephen. We talk about burning issues in media, politics, and science. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine.
1: And I'm Stephen.
0: And we're continuing, we're on our third and final part of Dad's We Hope Christmas. <laughs> Carol past past oh, you're still and going present with that, are you? yeah you're still Cause it's hap- yeah cuz it's yeah cuz it's been in all two so now it's in the final one <laughs> so we've done past past and now we're doing present and that's it there will be no ghost of christmas future <laughs> he no. is on holiday um so yeah you've just left um you've got small child probably about 2 by the time you have finished fading um mm and mum's left and you both left but it's about you but obviously like Hmm. for context Hmm. you're married but it's a whole non-witness house now it is now what i guess
1: so So. i had a business with with my dad which we carried on doing um and but this at this point i'd realized how behind i was educationally so i left school when i was 16 as i said went straight into a job um most of my peers had either uh, got a sort of apprenticeship or when they left school, they got an apprenticeship or they'd perhaps gone into sixth form to do something. Um, it In those days, because I'm quite old, in those days in the UK, not everybody went to uni.
0: Well, there wasn't loneliness the way it is now. It was a no. bit more an elite thing to go to yeah, uni. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's still quite a decent chunk. And if you were good, you had the opportunity. But... Um, but yeah, so lots of my friends didn't go to university. They, they did sixth form and then they perhaps got an apprenticeship or um, a good job that, you know, as a, a trainee, something or other. So anyway, when it, when I got to uh, my 30s, I hadn't done any of that stuff. So I hadn't done an apprenticeship. I hadn't done any of the further education, either through work or um, as part of my sixth form or whatever. Um, And I I knew that I didn't want to carry on doing the lawns forever. It wasn't really what I wanted wanted to do. Um, And these things called computers had become quite popular Mm. by then.
0: Ah, yes. (laughs) The old computer. Yeah.
1: So it is hard, I think, for people, younger people, to understand what, what the world was like before computers became ubiquitous. But... When I was growing up, when I was sort of 16, 15, 16, um, our computer suite was like five computers, which were the old uh, black screen with green, right lettering, if you like, green Mm -hmm. typeface. And um, that was computers. And basically to use them, you had to program, you had to code. Growing up, they obviously started to become a bit more user-friendly and Windows came along. So by the time I'd left the Witnesses, we were on to sort of Windows 95, something like that. Um, and the GUI interface, graphic user interface, which we all just take for granted now, with little icons, you move mm-hmm. things around, you drag and drop, and all that—that that was that had just come in. Um, and computers were obviously becoming used in lots and lots of areas. Spreadsheets had come online, word processors—very important. So I decided that I really needed to understand about computing, and maybe, maybe that was a, a future career for me. So I did an A-level. I went to college for one evening a week. Um, for two years it took me.
0: Yeah, because if you're going once a <laughs> so week, it will take yeah, a while. Yeah, that's right.
1: But it took me two years to do this A-level, which I scraped through. I did an exam, got, got me A-level. Not a particularly good grade, but I did get a pass. And then before I actually finished doing the A-level, because I was learning about computers... And particularly the bit about the apps like um applications like Word and Excel and all that. Um I saw this job advertised, uh, which was as a an adult trainer in computer applications. So I just thought I'd apply for it, went for an interview, got it, got the yep. job straight away. So I basically handed over my business to my dad, said, Look, you know, it's yours now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he carried on doing it keeping it going which would be handy for later on because i did come back to it at one point i I took this job as a as a trainer so I, i was training it was part of the regional college outreach if you like they got a center in the town where we did this training for adults it was funded so the government would pay for it and uh yeah did that it was only about a year really doing that but that was a very formative time for me in relation to um because i'd left the jehovah's witnesses but i was still working with my dad and i had no friends um i was busy enough because yeah. we were raising you and i had my wife and
0: but that's where you make friends when like when you leave because i think school and uni is just an inbuilt place to meet people constantly and you are bound to meet someone that you like and can be friends with yeah because you meet so many people constantly um and then after that it's like your only opportunity is work
1: well that's right and i was just working with with dad and and the type of job it was was you, you didn't, didn't interact with anybody mm. so um yeah it was a kind of funny time in a way because i still lived my life like a jehovah's witness really we didn't really do much at christmas we didn't do i didn't do anything didn't go no. to pubs I didn't so um it was slow
0: burning getting yeah, into things wasn't it?
1: i guess but when i when i started this job there was suddenly this little group of people that i uh, became friends with and got to know and um yeah that was a very formative year it was a great year it was a difficult year it was a confusing year but it it was important it was a way for me to suddenly um become integrated an, Well yeah and an adult. Mm. I I feel like um after that it was almost like that was my adolescence. Mm. You know, like when people um when they're an adolescent they they start to experience things they've never experienced before. Um that was like me, but mm. I was thirty. Yeah. Thirty odd. Um so it was a very strange time and I, I still think back on it and I don't really know what to make of it, but it was kind of important for me and I did make some friends there. Uh one of whom is still a still a really good friend.
0: Hey, we're just interrupting the podcast quickly to do a little reminder because people always forget by the end, so we're just telling you in the middle. That if you want to be part of growing this community, you want to have more people talking about it and to be able to talk about it with your friends, then you need to share it with people.
1: Please like it. Please leave a review if you can. Subscribe,
0: you know, text a friend. Yeah. Someone that you know will like this. Text your dad, I dare you. (laughs) I'd love to know that more daughters are talking to their dads about interesting things in politics and Yeah science and And
1: also if you want to reach out to us um the twitter handle is at what sitter
0: so it's what and then s-i-t-a
1: what should i think about
0: and we're pretty active on there yeah ready to have a chat when you say we dad does more of the tweeting (laughs) um but i do go on it yeah you do i do i'm getting better at it. i've been taking a while to get used to twitter it's new for me
1: so yeah that was a that was an important time I, i left there and i took a job for a food production company as a as an IT trainer after a year or so and help desk analyst so I would actually sit on the help yeah. desk and so answer when questions jammed
0: yeah. the printer
1: or yeah printer jam or forgot the password or couldn't I was uh, like needed... can I
0: please unsend this email yeah I'm like, no you know no, that. that is not how email works <laughs> no no
1: <laughs> I have had people crying on the other end of the phone saying I've, I've sent this, this a awful sent email. This email to a customer
0: complaining uh, about yeah them.
1: there's a psychological thing around this whereas if you're talking about somebody mm. in an email you that you're sending to somebody else it's very easy to send the email to that person <laughs> and that happens a few times with people it's awful isn't and it? if that's a customer then that could be very bad news
0: no i know that's why that worked though um, <laughs> when certain times people write things about a customer yeah and they're like this is Obviously, customer damage, if they try and claim otherwise, they're lying. I'm like, yeah. shouldn't write that because they can request. Anyone can request to see anything regarding themselves. So
1: Be very careful. Be very careful. Anyway, yeah, so that was my job. I did that for a couple of years. Yeah. Um And then I, I suppose during that time, I realised that I didn't really like IT.
0: <laughs> Hang on. I've what been here doing? before. Exactly, yeah. I'm not doing this again. And you got out of the it
1: crowd well one thing happened was that i got made redundant from that job but they still wanted to keep me as an employee so they they shuffled me into a different department which was the manufacturing excellence team which happened to be a fantastic department to be in because i learned so much about so many more things about management skills about manufacturing lean manufacturing oh just learned so much that that was a fantastic period for me um, got to meet some great people, and that was the making of me in my career. So I did carried on with that for a while. Got maybe done this again properly this time, and had to leave because the department got closed. Um, and then started my own business. So, so yeah, that all of that is kind of is not that relevant to my coming out from Jehovah's Witnesses, but it it reflects a struggle. Um, I've I've always felt that I've had a struggle, and I think that's that's um that's affected my behavior, my thinking mm-hmm. all throughout because I've always felt that like I've been behind everybody else, so when I was sat on the help desk, I was in my thirties, but the people around me were in their twenties, and the reason for that was obviously because I'd started late, mm-hmm. so I felt like my career was was like behind everybody else's um and that's always been a, an element of frustration. And it's also made me feel like I'm I'm in a rush. Mm. Um, and there was times during that period when I think back now and I, I don't like myself. Yeah. I don't like the way I behaved. I don't like my aggressive behavior at times. I was never physically aggressive, but I was very aggressive in the way I spoke to people mm. and in the way that I demanded that I you know, got what I wanted Um, so I do regret a lot of my behaviour during that time Um, and I guess, you know, what I say next is going to sound like an excuse for that and I don't suppose you can excuse bad behaviour but I think the reason for it was because I felt this tremendous sense of frustration urgency and loss really, that I needed to make up for and if people were yeah. in my way, then I needed to get them out of my way.
0: Mm. But that's—I sh- think—that's not just a fault of how you grew up. That's a fault of our society though, that decides when is the right time to be doing something and when is like when you achieve that. Like, um, my partner constantly is stressed that he's not already got his degree because yeah. I've got mine, and then he started doing his because he didn't know what he wanted to do yet we put so much emphasis that by the end of sixth form you're going to begin your trajectory into your higher education degree which then locks you into a certain yes set of
1: there's a time options. frame that's expected yeah. yeah
0: so it's like go 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 honestly i think you say about the rush and such but i feel like there's no matter what period you start this journey it feels like a rush because they're like right go 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 pick your gcse options okay then that will directly lead into what options you can now pick for a levels okay now that will directly lead into what you can choose to do for a degree yeah okay now that decides what job you can get and it's like all right so by the time you're 21 decisions you made when you were 16 have now affected the jobs that you're looking at on indeed (laughs) um yeah other job sites are available but you know um there's i think and and there's this kind of like pressure that it's like well you need to get by the time you're 30 you need to have a mortgage and you need to um be with the person that you're going to be with forever mm. and you need to have um you know you're probably if you're a woman you should probably get going with the kids if you've not mm. already because your clock's ticking and um what about that career though mm. and it's all like and you should be in the career that you want to be in forever but i think we should normalize moving around jobs
1: yeah i guess you're feeling that to some degree now um i i suppose what i would say is yes you're right absolutely and i think i think that's probably coming under some pressure yeah to change isn't it i Mm -hmm. think i think people are starting to especially as we live longer and we have longer careers
0: like why do we need to be in it by the time Mm. we're 30 because we've got another at least 30 (laughs) to 40 years yeah so it's like what if you you do it for a bit and, it, and mm. you don't want to do it anymore but you need to because it earns well or because it's that's a good job
1: but i do think i don't want to look as though i'm saying it i was worse than everybody else because there are lots mm. of people in the same position for all sorts of different reasons might happen to be because of my religion mm. for others it could be because they were looking after um parents or something you know and they, they were a the carer there's lots of reasons why people have to go back to education later but i think even if you're in the, the wrong career, at least you've got some experience doing mm. something. I was a window cleaner, Celine. Yeah, I yeah, know. You know, that that prepares you for nothing. And mm. and it. I think it's that that I felt frustrated about. And so I'm like in my 30s and having my first proper job, mm. apart from the, the screen printing I did when I was 16. Uh, yeah, so it. it I think it's, it's that that I found, you know, yes... There, there are people that, that change career and that can be disruptive, but they've still got this kind of block of experience that, that whilst it's not directly re- relevant for the new career, it's still shown that they can do something. Um, whereas for me, I kind of felt like I hadn't done anything. I hadn't got any qualifications. I hadn't got any proper experience. And I'm not saying that that was necessarily completely right because, of course, if you look at it more carefully... Of course, I'd got some experience. Yeah. I got, I'd learned how to do public speaking. I would learned yeah. how to train other people, and to time. own
0: your own business and to find your own exactly. clients.
1: Yeah. and upstart. I, I think also. I'm able to see that more now, but at the time, you didn't. See I that. didn't see it like that. I just saw all the wasted years, mm. um, and so I felt I was in, I was in a rush. Yeah, mm. um, that led me to end end up doing my own business. What I got maybe redundant. Again, Uh, in 2008. Yeah, 2008, big big crash. crash. (laughs) We've spoken briefly about that before. Um, I then got made redundant from my role as the group training manager and ended up um, setting up my own business with with the two guys that that worked for me as part of the team. They then eventually got other jobs, so I ended up having my own business, and that's really where I've been. And then during that time, um, I decided... I needed to get my degree so 2011 I started my first degree my BSc in psychology with the Open University so I think that's, that's an area that for ex-Jehovah's Witnesses um, yeah I would recommend the Open University if you want to go back to education it's not the right course for everybody it's not the right path for everybody but for me I really felt that I needed to get that education that I just hadn't got so i, I started if, my degree yeah
0: and i think if you're like a single person without you know a partner in a family and so on you might want to go to a physical uni mm. or if you don't have a job that because you, you found something you did actually like with the training and mm. so on but if you were a bit more adrift like you didn't have family or the beginnings of a career that you were trying to further with your degree if you would just trying to find something yeah going to a physical uni might be good because it gives you an excuse to move out mm. and just start again and there's lots of unis where there are mature students and you get yeah. to make friends then with other mature students yeah. it'll be there for x y and z different reasons and yeah. um, you know that's a nice opportunity but no, that's that, you're point. in a different that, situation that wasn't
1: open to me but yes i agree if you can that's great
0: you had other things going for you and um, in regards that you had your own family yes. and you had made friends um, and you'd found a job mm. that you could use the skills you had mm. and you just needed, well, you felt you needed a degree to further that.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: So that, that just fit well for you, the open
1: uni. It did, it did. And it, it, is, it is geared up for mature students. I think you're right that more unis now than ever and I think it will continue to be the case that there'll be more uh, lifelong learning. That seems to be the way... Uh, that careers are going so you've you've always got opportunity no matter how old you are um but yeah the OU is is sort of geared up for that um i chose psychology because i was interested in obviously interested in the subject what i found is a lot of ex-witnesses tend to do psychology when they leave yeah um and i think i'm only guessing but i think part of that might be because they want to understand themselves as much as understand other people mm. um you're never encouraged to think about psychology or, or other sciences really in any deep meaningful no. way and you're certainly encouraged to avoid things like counseling as a mm. jehovah's witness um because i think they're afraid that you'll start to ask questions about why am i doing this yeah well, what's making me unhappy yeah
0: exactly like you said you yeah. were unhappy and then exactly like, the, the the counselor if they're a good counselor won't do anything to um to 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 make you question your faith. They're not trying to question your faith. They're just trying to make you ask yeah. questions as to why are you unhappy.
1: But I think that leads know. quickly. One thing I've I felt about Jehovah's Witnesses is that everything they do, there is a kind of reason for it. Mm. It's not you know it's not random.
0: It's not accident.
1: No, and and I think a lot of the times they are right if you like within their own framework.
0: Mm. So
1: if they if they're worried about people starting to think for themselves and question why they're doing what they're doing, then I guess they're right to worry mm. about counsellors because that's kind of what counsellors will help you do. Yeah. So I understand why well, they worry they about counselors it.
0: Counsellors encourage question asking. <laughs>
1: exactly. The, the big thing that I think doing a degree helped me with, even though I'd left the organisation and even though I'd done a lot of reading, I think the critical thinking yeah piece is the thing that i mean you said this yourself about uni whilst you have education at school it tends to be more right here are the facts i'm going to tell you the facts you need to learn these facts for your exam what you find out in a in a degree is that what you're expected to do is basically read all this stuff but criticize it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so tell them why you you're not sure whether you agree and and if
0: you make a point you don't get away with making it you have to back it up so, obviously, I did a more creative subject, but you mm. still have to if I say, "Well, I think the book means this, yeah, I can't just think it. I have That's to right. be like, "Well, what's the evidence for that? Yeah. What in the text suggests that exactly. um you know what in the film is relevant to your point, you know, how can this be feminist? Mm. you have to prove it, yeah, so and so on
1: and the other thing that that was such a difference for me which, you know, I'd, I'd read a paper, a scientific paper, um, and then I'd be expected to criticise it, mm. which means that I'd, I'd say, well, um, I'm not sure that the author has made their point about this, that the reference they're referring to doesn't really cover this, or I don't accept this, that there's a premise here that I don't see any evidence for. And that was completely opposed to what I'd been trained to do, because what I'd been trained to do was read a paragraph, yeah, find the question, the answer to the question that the, at the bottom of the page, and then underline the bit that told me the answer and regurgitate it. And that is completely not what, of course, what you do no. in um, in university. And that's the bit that I think is really hard for witnesses and maybe recently ex-witnesses to understand the difference. You know, it's actually studying isn't just taking it all on board; it's being critical of it that doesn't mean that you disbelieve everything. it just yeah. means that you you challenge it and you say, all right well, why is this the case and how, what's the evidence for this and and how can we look at this maybe a different way and you 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 look at it inside out and that is just something that it 's a revelation it 's just fantastic and I loved doing that I loved doing that, and I spent six years doing that degree psychology psychology is a massive subject and I really want to do another podcast about psychology because just the subject of it people really must understand what it is Mm. they think it's one thing and it's just so many things um but I learned sort of basis in psychology took me six years to do that degree um got a got a first um and the proud you know such a proud moment you came with me Mm. with, with mum To get my my diploma as they hand over your degree. Um, Shake the hand, you know. Have the photo with your hat on. Um, Just a fantastic moment. And I was uh, 50. So I got my degree when I was 50. Um, And that was like a moment that I can't describe Mm. how, how I felt at that moment really can't. so yeah that was that was great Um, I would recommend if you're interested in only if you're interested if you're interested in learning you know if you're listening to this podcast now and you're an ex-Jehovah's Witness and you don't know what to do I mean there there are some there's some big commitments there because I I was lucky when I started my degree there was still some funding so I didn't have to pay the full funds whereas now I think you do so yeah it's a big commitment um but but yeah it was, it was very important and then pretty much straight away after that I did my masters which I've literally just finished this year so that's in organisational psychology mm. and part of the reason why I wanted to do organisational psychology was coming back to my experiences as a Jehovah's Witness because yeah. we used to call Jehovah's Witnesses the organisation yeah. and Jehovah's Witnesses are a fully functional um, kind of almost like a commercial organisation. They're, they're structured in a very sort of commercial way, mm. um, and so there's a lot I wanted to learn about that. And um, yeah, I want to take that further. I think I want to I want to take more of the theory that I learned from organisational psychology and apply it into groups like Jehovah's Witnesses and how they, how you can understand what's going on from an Organisational psychological perspective. So, I think that's an area that I'd like to pursue a bit more.
0: So, obviously, when you do a master's, you do like a dissertation or a thesis or whatever. Mm. Um, And you you didn't just pick it, organisational psychology, because of it being a JW thing. Obviously, you work in sort of organisational psychology. Yes, absolutely. So, it has, you know, function for your career Mm. as well. Mm. Um, But you chose to make it your dissertation kind of interesting and unique by exploring um the organization Je- yeah it's, it's
1: it's that's right it's when i was looking at the degree yes you're right i um because I'm, I'm a management trainer i'm a business improvement coach so i go into businesses and i help them improve their processes and i train their managers and so on so yeah it definitely fits with that job so from from an outsider's perspective it's a no-brainer but there was another part of me that was thinking, yeah this really there's another element of this that I really want to do, and that was the fact that the organization I, I grew up in um, yeah operated in this way. Um, so when it came to do my dissertation, there'd been a, a couple of modules that had interested me particularly. Um, one was around I mean the first module we did was around careers, and uh, we had discussions around calling. You know, people who feel i have got a calling to do a certain job, um, and straight away that dug into me almost like a like a sword sticking in me because I didn't like that language, a calling because it sounded religious, but it kind of awakened in me that that feeling about what what is happening here. Um, when I came to do my final dissertation, I chose to look at careers. Um from the perspective i suppose of my experience but trying to find out other people's experience of leaving a high control group like jehovah's witnesses and indeed i did it about people leaving jehovah's witnesses and how they then managed a career after that and or education so i wanted to tie the two my two big interests in life i suppose together my personal side which was leaving the JWs and my professional side which was organizations and careers and all that sort of stuff so I chose to do um, a dissertation which involved interviewing some ex-Jehovah's Witnesses and looking at their story about how they made sense of their experiences as they left the organization um, and how they used education and career to rebuild their identities because that's one of the hardest things I think, uh, for many ex if they've been in a long time, their whole identity is bound up in being a Jehovah's Witness. You know, it's everything about you, about the way you behave, about the way you think, what you like, what you dislike, what you think for the future, what you think happened in the past. All this is bound up with this religion. And when you leave... You're you're adrift, and your identity has been damaged. It's taken mm-hmm. a shock. You don't know who you are. That's how I felt. Yeah. I didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's taken me, I think, twenty years to understand who I am for myself. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest struggles that people have. So I did my dissertation about that. I interviewed. Um, a handful of people it's what we call a qualitative study which means that it's not about people filling in a a questionnaire and then telling it telling it all up it's about listening to those stories and getting really deep down into their experience and, and also how they construct a story around that a narrative around that so that was what it was all about Um, And I absolutely love doing it. I used a method called Interpretative Phenomenological Analysis, IPA, um, which is really about um, interpreting, as a researcher, the interpretation of the person themselves. Yeah. Um, Which is quite unique in a way because it allows me, as somebody who actually has had an experience similar to that, to do this research. So normally... In a scientific piece of research, you'd say, "No, you're too close to it. You, you know, you're, you're, you're not objective." Well, the great thing about IPA is that's not really the aim. You're not looking for a an objective, uh, purely objective sort of study. You're looking at how the researcher makes sense of the person's sense making themselves, whilst at the first at the same time giving primacy to the person themselves. So it's not a studying to me it's a studying to them, but it's understanding the fact that I'm doing the research so I can bring that in as well so I did so the the paper's written i'm and i got I got my marks for it and um I'm hoping that I might be able to publish that piece of work in a social sociological journal or a psychology journal. So that's something for 2021, really. I'm hoping that that I can do that. There's some work he's doing to it if that's going to be the case, but I'm working with uh, with my tutors, um, hopefully to be able to do that. So fingers crossed. There's no guarantees, but fingers crossed that might get published in a journal, mm-hmm. which means I'll be a published um, academic. author, academic, which will be again unbelievably exciting. Mm. Um, that whole area i would like to do some more on that we've talked about doing a documentary sort of similar to that paper really yeah, yeah. um but as a as a sort of documentary so that's that's something that we're looking at for the future um which perhaps brings us into the future um tense that you oh yes
0: about. welcome to christmas future <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we've gotten quite through that I don't know, is there anything else that you think yeah, is missing? I, mean,
1: or? I know that after we've talked about this, then I'll think, oh I never talked about that, or I never talked about this mm. um, This was more of an overview Yeah, it's. I mean it's a lifetime isn't it it's, it's mm-hmm. uh, I'm 53 now, so yeah, it's a lifetime of experiences um, and of course I'm going to miss out some bits um, I hope that That you and and the listeners don't just see it as a bloke um talking about himself i hope that this has got some relevance to other people who may have been in the same situation um and i suppose you know i'm no expert and i'm not an activist i have loads of admiration for for the activists you know um I, i i part of me feels like i've Yeah, part of me feels a bit guilty that I've let down the community in a way because I'd left 20 years ago and I've done nothing. And then I look at some people on YouTube and people like Lloyd Evans and so on who have put themselves out there. Um, And I think that's fantastic, but I didn't do that.
0: But that's what they wanted to do. And the whole point of leaving is to do what you wanted to do. Well, I guess so, Instead of, like, don't just move the guilt from, like, blood guilt to now, like... (laughs) Yeah, I guess Reverse blood guilt.
1: But I guess um, part of me would have liked to to do more, but I also wanted to, and still do, um, kind of be able to live my life Mm. without having all that angst. Yeah. So I'm not really interested in being an activist, but I would like to research. So Mm. I'm more interested in researching the experience of people as they leave. Yeah and the psychology behind how that works and and how we can help people mm-hmm. um as opposed to kind of actively trying to work against the organization that's I'm not that interested in doing that I, i'm just interested in the psychology of it and and how um and how it works and yeah um it'd be nice to to be able to um to produce something that is that is useful is helpful and that that advances Uh, knowledge a little bit so that's that i suppose is is the future um who knows what the future holds i still have times when i feel the weight of that experience on my shoulders and again i hope other people that's experienced it don't feel like they're alone in feeling that it's been 20 years now and i still i still get that from time to time um so yeah if you know if people appreciate that that's quite normal that's also a good thing so yes i suppose that's it i'll I'll stop waffling now thank (laughs) you very much um for talking to me about this celine um this has been a bit of a special it's a three-parter um and um yeah again if you want to contact us easiest way to do it is through twitter at what sitter which
0: is what and then s-i-t-a
1: yeah what should i think about um and uh, yeah get in touch and please subscribe to the podcast mm-hmm. obviously this podcast isn't just about this it's about all sorts of things mm-hmm. but um, there is a, a strong flavour of um, I
0: mm-hmm.
1: suppose these types of experiences it? yeah cool. <laughs> thank you very much thanks for listening bye. bye
0: what should I think about is an evil sheep production